Thanks, Regina. That was awesome. If you have your bullets, I want to read something with you this morning. In two weeks, we are going to have a special concert by a band of high school students. And uh, we have there included in the bulletin the thought on worship by their lead singer. This is from a junior in high school. And tell me if this is not profound, if this will not preach, all right? Thought on worship by Eric Bain, lead singer, the name of the band is Relentless. And he says, I believe that true worship is not going to church, a retreat, or a Christian concert, putting your hands in the air. We definitely don't have a problem with that around here. If you consider that to be a problem, you, we're, we're like, I'm sitting on my hands underneath the pew, all right? We will work on that corporately, okay? And by the way, that is biblical. Awkward silence, moving on. <laughs> to put your hands in the air. You don't have to, but to say that it's wrong means that you don't know your Bible. Closing your eyes. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to incorporate the offensive stuff yet. I'm trying to save that for later. Let me read this again. I believe that true worship is not going to church or retreat or a Christian concert, putting your hands in the air, closing your eyes, and singing at the top of your lungs. True worship is a lifetime deal. Every single day you should be in worship, thanking God for each and everything He has given to you on that day. Worship could be prayer, singing, writing, painting. Worship could just be giving thanks. We don't just put, this is good. We don't just put our Jesus spray. We don't just put our Jesus spray on Wednesday and Sunday. It is an everyday thing. So, think about that during the day. Is everything I do bringing glory to Christ? Amen and amen. That is from a 17-year-old guy. He loves Jesus. And I can't wait. This is going to be really cool. So we're going to have an opportunity to, um, to worship together with them. And so I hope that you are, you're going to be here for that. I would also, I don't think I've ever announced a business meeting from Sunday morning because we try as much as we can, um, to not talk about business meetings. <clears throat> but, um, in two, let's see, the date is going to be not this Wednesday, but the next, uh, July 27th. We're going to have a special business meeting about some things that are going on. Um, in our Virginia Baptist General Convention that should not be. So um, we hope that you are here. Even if you're not a member of the church, I think this would be really good for you to kind of see kind of stuff that's going on and, and the Bible and what we believe and what we do not believe. So if you can make that, that would be really, really good. We're going to kind of have just a group meeting and figure out what we're going to do um, about it. So with that being said, by way of introduction, let's go to Luke chapter Two, and we're going to talk about this morning the subject bucket list. How many of you, by a show of hands, think you have an idea about what a bucket list is? Can I see your hand this morning? All right. My first experience with a bucket list came as a young child when I was watching the old school. Anybody ever been there? Little Rascals. All right. I mean, the Rascals back in the 30s, right? And they were talking about this one older lady, and they said, She's not kicked the bucket yet. And then one of the little rascals goes over and he, and he says like this and he kicks a bucket. And I was like, what is, why would an older lady, why would it be an issue and everybody's waiting on pins and needles if she's not kicked a bucket yet? Well, kick bucket list, in case you, you don't know, it's a list of things that you'd like to do or accomplish before you die. Now I want to give you, give you this in terms of a question. What are some things that are on your bucket list? I did a search on this on the internet, and I just got to say, I had to edit a lot of what I found. A lot of what are on some of those popular bucket lists are things that 
Well, the Bible says that we'll bring the judgment of God, just being honest. But here are some ideas. This is from the Personal Excellence blog. Uh, colon, be your best self, live your best life. Sounds like a Billy Mays infomercial, doesn't it? Here's the question. This is the way you develop your bucket list. What if you were to die tomorrow? What would you wish you could do before you die? That's good. I mean, seriously, think about this question. What are some things that you've been, maybe if you haven't written them out, you've kind of put them in your mind, some things that I would like to have finished, completed, checked off before I kick the can. Another question. What will you do if you have unlimited time, money, and resources? Great question, right? What would you do? Another question, are there any activities or skills that you would want to learn or to try out? And just surveying a lot of the blogs and the things on on the web, it usually had to go like this. Most bucket lists were like this. I want to go to this place around the world, right? Some people say, I want to go see the seven, you know, uh, the spots of the seven wonders of the, the, the ancient world. Some people wanted to learn how to play a musical instrument, you know, like, like an oboe. That's good that you're not with there. Someone's like, that's me, baby. That's me. You know, rock it on the oboe. So then some people said, you know, I, I want to, uh, I want to learn a language or kind of get a little bit deeper. Some people are like, I got some relationships. Y'all all right? I got some relationships that really need to be mended before I die. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of your pastor's heart this morning. Um, and this may seem very unpastoral, but we're talking about bucket lists. This is a great text. Luke chapter 2 verses 21 all the way through 38. We're going to jump into that. But I just want to tell you something I've always thought would be really cool. Um, have any of you guys ever seen the 80s movie Predator? All right. Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You got the alien that's blending in. You can't kill it. When, when, when it shot Jesse Ventura, you remember what the, what the team did, right? Of mercenary soldiers. It was, and I timed it, over a minute and a half long, nothing but fully automatic fire, grenade launchers, right? You guys remember that? Like, trees are being sawn in half, the jungle's getting torn up, and I thought, how cool would that be to get me and some of my buddies, you know, we've got, you know, like an MG-42 machine gun over here, got a rocket launcher right here, and just have a firing range set up and just blow things away, amen? I mean, with the inanimate objects, all right, we're not talking about killing people, but how cool would that be? And then when I was, uh, I think it was 19 or 20, I went to a gun show, right? A gun show. People around the world think we're crazy because we have gun shows. And we say, I'm not, you know, anyway. And, and we went and they had something called the Knob Creek Machine Gun Shoot. Now, I'm not going to ask you who, by way of hands showing, is familiar with the Knob Creek machine gun shoot, because then everybody would know that you're probably somewhat a psycho, right? Everybody like, it's him, watch him when he comes in. But what they do is this, all of these guys who legally own legal machine guns in the United States get together at this range in Kentucky, and they set up downrange things like cars, refrigerators, drums full of diesel fuel with dynamite. And they say, ready, aim, fire, and they just cut loose and destroy things. I mean, it is amazing to see at night, you know, all these explosions going off. And, you know, I thought, as, as a young guy, I said, you know, that would be really cool to be able to do. And I talked to one of my friends who has a, has a new motorcycle the other week. I said, tell me, tell me stories about the bike. And he said, well, I got it up to 165. 
It's not good. I, I seriously, I'd send him a text back. I'm like, bro, do you know? Do you know for sure that you're saved? Right? Like, I'm not. I'm not even joking. Like, I seriously did. I was like, do you know for sure Jesus has actually saved you? Right? Like, you've really been born again. He says, I know for sure, man. Jesus has saved me. And I'm like, well, what's your? What, I mean, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm going to try to top it out at 185. And I'm like, oh, you know, don't don't do that. And, if you do, at least strap a camera to your, you know, your gas tank or your helmet or something. I mean, that, that's just foolishness, right? And I, I think about bucket list, and in my life since Jesus has saved me, my bucket list has grown from activities that are all about the activity. And once the activity is through, we usually say things like, that was cool, right? Boy, that was such a great vacation, that ride, that roller coaster was amazing. Whatever it is, we it seems like in America we have these lists and surveying the internet, looking back in my own life. And do you know who the object of most of our bucket lists are? The objective there, the point, the purpose, the goal is for selfish gratification. Is it not? We want to go do things so that we'll be able to enjoy it. And then the point of the enjoyment is me being able to enjoy it. But once it's over, it's what? It's over. So I want to encourage you with this last statement. This is on a secular blog. The last question when they're dealing with trying to create your own to-do list before you die. And here's, here's the question. What do you need to do to lead a life of, quote-unquote, the greatest meaning? Wow. I mean, don't, don't you want to live to where if, you know, if you make it to a deathbed type of experience, you can look back and say, you know what, Jesus, I thank you for where you have brought me from. I thank you for what you allowed me to do. I mean, wouldn't you hate it to look back on your life from your deathbed and have regret? Like, seriously, think about that. Think about that. You're on your deathbed and you're looking back, you know, kind of kind of just flipping through the files of your memory, thinking waste, 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 waste. What we're going to look at this text this morning, our main idea here is that God will use a willing person. Amen, church? You don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. But we're going to look at a, a very simple unknown man who God willingly worked through because this man was willing to hear and to obey. And before we do that, I want to ask you a question about the goals in your life today. You know, often in our, in our goals and our bucket list in the United States, um, it's, it's kind of like this. We have these things that we want to do, but in the back of our mind, you know, there's always that thought. And if you, if you're writing, taking notes, which I hope that you are, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 17 says, Moreover, all his days, this is Solomon talking about people, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation, which means frustration, and sickness and anger. And like, now Jeff, what is Solomon talking about? Solomon is talking about that a life without God, a life that is not lived to the glory of God, is a life that, it's kind of like, well, it's kind of like when you were a kid. Remember when you were a kid and your parents said, um, I can't spank you right here in church or in the store or in front of your friends at school. But when you get home, some of y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? When you get home, you will be applied to your backyard, the board of education. Can I get a witness? 
Right? Isn't that what happened? You know what I'm saying? Like that, that was 8.30 in the morning or like if you're in morning VBS and you're there and your dad comes in and you know, you can just, you look at his, his midsection, you see that leather belt, right? You see that leather belt and you, 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 you remember that sound in, in your mind of thump, 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 thump. Kind of sounds like a, an anti-aircraft gun, but it's his belt being unlooped from his waist. And then you go, you go have a good time with your buddies throughout the day, right? You know, you're, you're playing basketball, you're, you know, you're doing whatever. But in the back of your mind, there's like this dark monster, right, of the spanking. You know what I mean? You remember that, right? The, the, the spanking. And it's like, no matter what is going to happen, no matter how good your day goes, no matter if your VBS teacher gives you a double shot of red Kool-Aid, and our VBS teachers are like, please, dear God, tell me the pastor did not buy red Kool-Aid. It's all right. We don't have it. Okay, we'll be passing out Ritalin tonight. Just kidding. But no matter how good the day goes, you always have that cloud, right? That cloud of something bad is going to happen. And what the Bible teaches through and through is that if you and I want to live life without God and with goals that do not incorporate Him, no matter if we have the best time, the best vacations, the best friends, the best parties, there's always that dark cloud that Solomon talked about. And in the end, he concluded, he said, man, I've got all the women, I've got all the money, I've got all the fame, I've got all the wisdom, I've got people coming to me for advice, I've got everything you could ever want, but all of this is empty. It's vanity. Vanity of vanities, emptiness of emptiness, nothing really matters. Well, I want to just give you an outline this morning, several scenes of Luke chapter 2 to where you can change, please hear this, a bucket list that's going to end just like if you've ever tried pouring water into a bucket, right? You ever tried pouring water into a bucket that's got holes? Sounds like a bad chapter out of Greek mythology, right? You keep trying to pour in and every time you pour in, it pours out. Well, that's selfish bucket list, right? Always trying to fulfill with happiness and pleasure. And God wants to patch up the bucket of our life so that He can pour in His truth. Let me go ahead and give you the outline this morning, right? You got your outline right there. I'm just going to give it to you straight out, and then we're going to walk through it line by line. Number one, scene one, God will use a willing person. A person who is willing to obey God in the little things. Number two, God is willing to use a willing person who waits on God and hears from God. Number three, God is willing to use a willing person who speaks for God. Number four, God is willing to use a willing person who understands the offensiveness of the gospel. So we're going to walk through this line by line. Let me just take a moment here and ask that the Lord would bless us and give us wisdom. Um, so if you could just pray for me. And I would encourage you, sometimes it's easy to come into church and be distracted. Um, I want to, We talked about this last week in our Bible study class. I believe that a great spiritual um, goal that you should set every time you come to church is to declare war on ADHD. If you're one of those hyper-intellectual people who never gets distracted, praise God for that. But for the rest of us, sometimes we can be distracted. Amen, church? I mean, it can be something like, wow, there's a hymnal in front of me. I wonder who has read this hymnal. If you're a germ freak, you're like, I wonder who's touched this hymnal. And you're like, often like the netherworld of weirdness, okay? 
And sometimes people, and let, let, let me just be, be we're, we're going to talk about a lot of this. Next year is going to be my first year with y'all. You have survived the year of your new pastor. All right, so we're gonna we're just gonna have a different time. I'm just gonna talk to you next week about you know what the Lord, I believe, wants us to do. But uh, let me just say something. Sometimes you come to church and you're unprepared. There's bitterness. Maybe it's been a week that's been really rough. You've not yet gotten right with the Lord. I'm gonna give you a chance to do that right now. Okay, to focus and hone in. To say, Lord, I'm prepared. I'm open, just like the boy Samuel. Lord, speak your servant here. So let's just take a time to pray and you ask for yourself, for the people around you, that this would be a time where God would teach. Okay, can we do that? Is that awkward? Very non-traditional, but I think it's very biblical. All right, so let's do this. Let's pray for each other, pray for yourself, and ask that God would just speak to us from his word today. All right. Lord, I just want to thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that it gives. And God, I pray that you would help us to focus today. We would not be concerned or focused around the people that we're sitting by. You would help us, God, as you would just give us a supernatural ability. You would give me the ability to communicate your truth. You would give everyone here the ability to hear your voice that you would apply through your spirit, the Holy Spirit. Things that I have never even thought of that people here need to hear. God, we ask that you would just, any plan that Satan has to distract, any plan that, to, to try to make this um, a non-event, God, I pray that you would destroy that and you would help us, Lord, through your grace, to focus and to be able to hear your voice, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Luke chapter 2 in verse 21. I'm going to read a few uh, verses here, and then we're going to break it down and just go right through the passage. Luke 2, 21, the Bible says, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Verse 22, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Quote, This is a quotation from the Old Testament. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer sacrifice to what is said in the law of the Lord. Here it is. A pair of turtle doves and or two young pigeons. So in order to be a person that God will use, in order to have a bucket list that will not simply fade away, We need to simply obey God in the little things. Now notice back in verse 21, it speaks of circumcision. Now this is, this is a somewhat awkward subject to talk about, but the, the the point throughout the Bible is that circumcision in the Old Testament was a picture of what the Holy Spirit would do by way of uh, the cleansing effects of grace. It's there in your outline. When the Holy Spirit comes, the Apostle Paul builds this metaphor time and time again. When the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, it's like the Holy Spirit uh, cleanses and does a new work in someone's heart. And that was also, for the Jews, that was the sign for the men that they were dedicated to God. So when you see this, you see Jesus and his family following the Old Testament law. Now notice, um, you've got something very strange for us today in verse 24, a sacrifice of birds. Now what in the world is going on here? Well, if... um, you were to turn back to the book of Leviticus, you would find that um, the law says in Leviticus chapter 12, 
verses 6 through 8, that after a woman gives birth to a male son, they, they are supposed to come to the temple and offer a sacrifice. In verse 8 of Leviticus chapter 12, it says that if she cannot afford a lamb, then she can take two turtle doves or two pigeons. So the fact that Mary and Joseph were there to offer sacrifice to God and they offered birds instead of a lamb was evidence, it was evidence that they were poor people. Now right here, going back to last week's message, we see God blowing the myth out of the water that you've got to have money, that you've got to have prestige to serve God. How many people in our world do you think say, you know what, it takes money. You've got to be rich to do, to have an impact. Don't you think there's a lot of people who think that? Right? In order for me to be important, for me to be powerful, I have to have money. What you see through the Gospel story in Luke chapter 2 is Jesus being born into a humble, poor family. And remember the guys who showed up at His birth? It was, it was the leaders, right? Anybody remember? The shepherds! The guys that were like, you know, a lot of people thought they were dirty people. God revealed Himself to the shepherds. So you see time and time again that God works through humble means. And also, if you want to write this down, in Genesis chapter 8. Remember after the flood, right? The whole world was in rebellion against God. And then you had Noah and his family who God said, build the ark. And Noah's like, you know, God, it really hasn't rained, but he built the ark anyway. The flood came, everybody died but them. Wouldn't that be kind of an eerie thing, getting off the ark, knowing that the only people that are alive on the planet are the people with you? And by the way, if, you, if you're not, if you're like, I think that's, that's, a, that's a myth, that it really happened, go to our website, rockamountbaptistchurch.com forward slash got questions. We've got links that deal with that. And yes, it actually happened. But in Genesis chapter 8, Remember, you know, Noah sent off this raven to see if there was going to be any land available. But then he also sent out what bird? A little dove. Well, you see the dove being offered here. The dove is a symbol of purity. In fact, the dove is a symbol also of the Holy Spirit. You think about sacrifice, you know. I think a lot of times we talk about sacrifice in America. We really don't know what sacrifice is. At least I don't think I do. When I was a pastor in Georgia, there was a guy who had lost a family member. And he wasn't a member of the church. He was just there in the community. So I went over and saw him and talked to him, you know, try to encourage him. And right before I left, I had um, another church leader with me. This guy's like, man, I appreciate you coming over so much. I want to give you something. I was like, bro, no. He's like, no, seriously, I need to give this to you. Guy gave me a $50 bill. I said, I really don't want to. He said, no, please, please, please take this. I need to give this to you. And he's like, I don't want this to be for the church. I want to give it to you just to express, because I've never had this before, you know, like a pastor come and talk to me. Just, this is just for you, not for the church, to express how much I appreciate you coming here. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't want to tell the guy, no, 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 no. And so I took it. And then uh, you know, I, I asked out, and I was like, man, what do I do? He's like, well, the guy said it's for you. And, and I, I just, I felt weird. And we had a revival that coming Sunday. And my buddy was preaching the revival, a phenomenal preacher, and I was encouraging people to give. And the Lord said, you know, I want you to give that 50 bucks to the, the evangelist. And I was going to give that, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and was like, with, with King David, remember King David said, how shall I offer that to the Lord, that which costs me nothing? 
And God's like, that's nothing for you to give that 50 bucks because you didn't, I mean, you didn't work for that. That was a gift. I want you to give that and give sacrificially to the work of this evangelist. But even still, when I gave that money, guess what I still had in my bank account? Money. Not a lot, but I had it. I don't know how, honestly, how to apply this in our setting because I don't know how poor you can be to where you, you can't afford a lamb. You can't afford some meat. You've got to take two little birds. That's all you can afford. And Jesus was born into that. So I would encourage you, whenever the Lord lays it on your heart to give something big, be assured that it is not you because if you're like me, I'm too greedy, amen, to think of that on my own, right? Like Jeff Robinson is just not naturally think, you know, sitting there laying in bed. Let me see if I can give, boom, big dollar amount to, boom, certain ministry. Doesn't happen that way. But I think it's, this is cool too. They brought the birds to sacrifice, but they couldn't afford the lamb, but they were actually holding Jesus in their arms, who John the Baptist said, help me out, Bible teachers, the what of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is so awesome. You have these humble people who come to the temple. They don't have much money, but Mary and Joseph, you know, by the way, don't you think, don't you think that if we were there, we may have gotten a little bit of a Messiah parent complex, right? Like, for example, have you ever known a parent and they think that their kid is awesome and everything? Right? Like, how you doing? My kid? Like, oh, here we go. Right? Two hours, right? Hearing what their kid can do. My honor student, you know, it's like, right. You know, your kids, your kid is awesome. A proud parent. But imagine if you had been chosen as the parents to raise the Son of God? I mean, I mean, honestly, let's just put this in our time frame. If Jesus was your child, like, bro, don't mess with me, you know? My child is a son. Like, this is God in the flesh. But they didn't get arrogant. They came humbly. They came humbly. But they had Jesus, the Lamb of God, in their arms. So in order to be a person who's willing to be used by God, you've got to be willing to obey in the little things. What little things has God revealed to you? You know, sometimes, like, the, the Christian life, it's not things like God saying, you know what, I want you to sell everything you have and go to Africa right now, Sudan right now. Sometimes that is, but a lot of times it's just like, it's just like this. Um, and this is, this is very, very pastoral, right? For those of us who struggle with laziness. When the alarm clock goes off in the morning, you've set up time to spend with the Lord. But when the alarm clock goes off, thoughts of hatred fill your heart. And we hit the alarm clock time and time and time and time. Get, have y'all ever been there? Some people are like, Brother Jeff, I get up at 3 a.m. every day. I play the violin for two hours. I write in German theological... Seriously. You know, a lot of the little things, it's like this. Stop hitting the snooze button and get your tail out of bed. Right? Some of the... Y'all, that's too blunt. But seriously, what we do, we hit it time and time again to where we get up and we're rushing, we're going crazy, we're stressed out on the way to work. You like the Joker on Batman. You know, we're going crazy. And then we finally make it to church and we're going nuts and we're mad at people and we're like, God, why aren't you speaking to me? He's saying, get up and talk to me. It's not rocket science. It's not, it's, not, it's not difficult. It's just simply spending time with Jesus. Number two, in order to be a person that God will use, you must wait on God and then you will hear from God. Notice verses 25. Now there was a man. This is where it gets really cool. There was a man in Jerusalem. Notice a man. That's all it says. 
Doesn't say a priest, doesn't say a leader, just, just a dude, an anthropos, a man, whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, and he, here's what he was doing, right? Waiting for the saints to win another Super Bowl. Sorry, wrong, G, wrong context. Waiting for the Redskins to win. Waiting for Virginia Tech. No, no, no. He wasn't waiting for that. He wasn't waiting for. Y'all okay? That was just, that was totally a joke. I have to wear Kevlar next week. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's what he's waiting for. He's waiting for the consolation, the comforting, some versions translate that, of Israel. And here's the key. Who was on him? Somebody tell me. Verse 25. Who was on him? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit of God was on him. So here you've got a guy who was waiting. Let me give you three. This is for our thinkers. Let me give you three texts to where this word um, waiting occurs. He was waiting. He was looking. He was expecting. Mark chapter 15, verse 43. Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who also himself was looking for the kingdom of God, right? There we go. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Also Jude, and Jude only has, by the way, Jude only has one chapter. So we say Jude 21, that's just verse 21. There's no, there's no chapter there. Jude 20, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So the text here, the original language is saying you're looking forward to something. Do you remember when you were a kid in Christmas, right? How, you, how it was like Christmas Eve. That was like the longest time all year. It was so long. It was like a 48-hour evening, right? A night. You're looking forward to it. You just couldn't wait. You're like, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, what he's looking for, what Simeon was looking for, is the coming of the Son of God. You know, sometimes in our lives we've looked for things, we've been so expectant on things that end up being a disappointment. Have you ever thought that somebody's going to change and they don't, Right? Like you're praying for somebody, you're praying for somebody that God would change them, but then they don't get changed. Notice that he was waiting for God and then he heard from God. What did he hear from God? Notice in verse 26, here is God giving him a bucket list. All right, check this out. Put yourself in Simeon's shoes, verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Son of God. So he hears from God. Now, when it says in verse 26 that he, it had been revealed to him, the word here in the original language means to make known a divine injunction. That's like when God comes and speaks to you. Now, here's the question for us. Does God still speak to people? Yes. Yes. I'll tell you a story. Um, my mom, it's a very non-traditional Baptist story from a Baptist lady. Are y'all scared? We're working on this. Some of y'all, some of y'all you're, you're like, I'm with you, bro. Some of y'all are like, I have no idea what he's going to do. And he forgot his tie again. So, all right. So this, 
This is, she went to VBS. She was not, she was right kind of off and on. You know, she would have to get rides with people to go to church. And by the way, praise God for you. Those of you who go around to your neighbors, the kids, your parents won't bring them. You bring them to church. My mom, that happened. She, thank you. Praise God. So here's what happened. She came to VBS. All right. And she heard, she heard like real preaching back in the day, right? Like when guys would like preach, you know, like, like I believe this, not like, you know, I think Walmart's that way or Kmart's over there. I don't really care what you do with Jesus. I mean, like they preach. And she heard, she heard a message about the return of Christ. And she had a dream, and this was her dream. She dreamed that Jesus came back, and some people were going up. You know how dreams can be with, with reality and, and, you know, the rapture of the church. And then some people were sinking down. And guess which group she was in? She was sinking down. And she woke up terrified. Grandmother came into the room, tried to comfort her. But she had heard the gospel. And here's what I believe happened. And you say, now Jeff, how do you know if God really speaks to people? Here's how you know. And I've had some, bro, I, we could be here all day long. People, you know, some people, guys like, Man, God had, I had a dream the other day and here's what God told me. And you're like, should I call the police? You know, I mean, this guy is crazy, right? One one of those. But the way that you determine the validity of a dream is number one, does it reinforce what the Bible teaches? Is Jesus coming back? Yes. When he comes back, not, you know, it doesn't speak of, you know, people like sinking to the ground, but if he comes back and you've not received him, there's going to be judgment. That's called you go to hell. If you reject Jesus and he comes back, if you die and you meet Jesus, please hear me. This is real. If you want, you know, deeper philosophical, go to the website, talk to me other churches. But if you die without Christ, you go to hell. But you see the magnificence of God's grace that he sent Jesus so that no one would praise God. Amen, church. So that no one would have to. As many as received him, John Chapter 1, to those He gave sons to become, to receive eternal life. And so does it enforce what the Bible teaches? And secondly, does the fruit of that person's life reflect a changed life like what the Bible says? She got saved. Let me give you another story. Does God still speak to people? When I was in Central Asia, there was a man, uh, he was a former Muslim. He had a vision he said that Jesus came and appeared to him. He had had the gospel preached to him time and time again by a friend. He was there by a river. He looked over. He said, there's this man. People don't dress like that even here. He looked and he says he had a beard. He had, you know, a, a robe. And he says, I had been praying, you know, and it was like God revealed himself and said, this is my son. Trust in him. He was saved. He broke all, he broke all of, of the, the ties, which for him, he was born into a Muslim culture, which is huge. I even have a DVD called Dreams and Visions of what God is doing around the Muslim world right now. People are seeing visions of Jesus and they're coming to faith in Christ. There's a man too. I wish you could guys, you know how some people, when they talk, you want to fall asleep? You know, they're like halfway through their sentence. Just some people, they're just, they are just monotone, right? Some people are wild and crazy. I went on a mission trip several years back, and this guy is from the southeast. He's from Florida. Just, just a regular American guy. He works with his hands for his job. He, he, he did, he did not, he's not one of these guys, you know, said, let me hold your hand and sing Kumbaya and cry on your shoulder. I'm having an emotional moment, right? Not like that. 
He was raised in a very rigid tradition. This is not, not Baptist. Later, later changed to, to become a Baptist. But he, he said he was at this retreat one time and he, they said, why don't you just go around the retreat center and, and seek after God, pray and read the scripture and ask God to reveal himself to you. He says, I went by this lake and he said, this is a very, like, this is the last person that you would think would ever hear this. And by the way, the reason why so many people have problems with this is because God has never spoken to them. I'm not talking about in terms of a vision to actually see Jesus. I'm talking the reason why in the church, when you have so much, um, you have so much collision with any person saying, God is leading me here, is because God has not spoken to so many people because we don't take the time to listen. So Bill said, you know what? I looked up and he says, it was like I saw Jesus crucified on the cross. And it was like God told me right there, you have never truly trusted in my son. So he said, God broke me and I repented of my sin and I got saved after being raised in the church for years and years and years. God used that. And you see, now Jeff, are you sa- have you ever seen a vision? No, I have not. God has spoken to me time and time again through his word. And notice that you don't see in the text that God gave him a vision, but that the Holy Spirit was leading him. You know, some people think, now Jeff, if I allow allow the Holy Spirit to lead me, then that means that my life is going to be crazy. He may call me to go overseas. Which, by the way, I'm going to go to Brazil next month. We're going to have a great uh, preacher here when I'm gone. I'll only be gone one Sunday. I'll be gone for for, uh, a good while, but I'll only be gone one Sunday. Most of the people, the majority of the team for Brazil are very senior citizens. I'm just going to put this out there. A lot of them are really old. I said it. I said the old word in church. Like seriously, we were there last time and one of the ladies, she's a sweet lady, loves Jesus, been there for many years. We were in the airport in Rio and she kind of had a senior moment. All right. Some of y'all, you know what I'm talking about? Senior moment. She's kind of like, well, I don't know where we're going to go. And she's like walking off. We're like, whoa, whoa, you don't want to just do that in the Rio airport. You know, you may end up somewhere other than the United States. So, so what, what I'm saying here is that, man, I don't know what we're going to have, you know, tools. We're going to have tracks and oxygen tanks. I don't know what we're going to be bringing to Brazil, man. But I'm telling you that so often, so many of us, look, look, look at the text, look at the text. In verse 25, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Christ. So here's what a lot of us do. That's awesome, but that's him. He's in the Bible, Jeff. Like, my name's not Simeon, and even if it was, that's, I'm not the same guy. So God speaks to those people. You know, the Holy Spirit can lead them. The Holy Spirit will lead you to do things that you never thought possible. I mean, when I went on the mission trip the first time with this group, there were some older people on the team. In fact, there was one man in his 80s working with the carpentry. And I was like, is this legal? Like, like, do they, do they allow, I mean, but he's still able to. And I think so often we say, oh, you know, I don't know that much about the Bible, right? Y'all ever been there? You know, like, I don't know that much about the Bible. I just, I just don't know. When I pick it up, I'm like, I don't know, you know, who is Galilee and I don't know why Nazareth moved. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't think I have the money to do this. I'm too old. Please don't ever say that. If you do, go back to the book of Joshua. I would have loved, I think if you could make any aspect of the Old Testament into a movie, the conquest of, uh, of, <clears throat> of Hebron, which was 3,000 feet above sea level, you've got 
Joshua and Caleb who are in their 80s. In their 80s. And they come and, and Caleb, like you got all these young guys, these young bucks, these soldiers who are experienced. These war horses. And then Caleb speaks up above everybody and he says, give me this mountain. What? What? I mean, that is awesome. He comes and he says, in his 80s, he's saying, you know what? I want to lead the charge. Now, you know, for the 21-year-old guys, they're like, we got to step it up. Caleb just called us out. I mean, here he is, old knee replacements, and he's wanting to lead the charge. I mean, seriously, look at through the Bible and people with age, what the Holy Spirit can do through them. The Holy Spirit led him. You say, Jeff, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit leading me? Holy Spirit will tell you to do, if you don't write this down, there's this brief list of suggestions. Holy Spirit will guide you on when and how to do the following. If you're saved, He will guide you when and how to witness. To forgive. Holy Spirit will always lead you to forgive. Never be a time to say, should I hold a grudge against this person? Holy Spirit says forgive. Third, to actually give to the work of the Lord. Number four, to encourage believers. Encourage. You know, a lot of people are, are, are threatened by Jesus. Have you noticed that? In today's world, people are very threatened by Jesus. Here's the question, should we be threatened by Jesus? If you're not ready to give everything in your life, yes. Because Jesus does not come in and take suggestions, right? Jesus does not do board meetings. Jesus does not come in and, and be one of the knights of, the, of your round table, King Arthur. Jesus comes in and He is Lord and Christ and God. So, if you're thinking, I don't know if I really want to give Jesus my life, I think that it, my, my life may become lame. That is... An example that is proof that you've been lied to by Satan. 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, the Apostle John says, I wrote the, these things we have written. This would be a great verse to memorize. Just this right here. 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. So that your joy may be complete. So that it may be full. That's what God will do when He takes over your life. He'll make it full. I'm not saying that it'll make you give you a big bank account, but your joy. It doesn't depend upon your circumstances. Your joy. He'll give you joy. And He'll lead you into the arms of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I told our, our prayer group this past Wednesday night that a young man that we grew up across the street in Florida from uh, was in a broken home, attended church sporadically, when he got into later high school years and college, he, he got, and he's um, about 20, 21 now, he got into drugs. Went to the University of North Florida, a long way away from, from his family in Palm Bay. And um, he was there, not doing well. A campus minister came and approached him on, on campus and said, Hey man, there's, there's a group of us, of a, I lead this, I'm a minister, I lead a, a college Bible study. Would you like to come and, and study the Bible with us? Just like, you know, laid back, just study the Bible. And he said, I, well, I, I probably need that, but I can't because I have to work. And then the campus minister did something very non-ministry professional. He said, if you're cool with it, I'm willing to meet with you on any other night of the week. 
one of you free. And I'll study with you what the group studies in Bible study. And Dan said, well, I, yeah, that'd be great. Long story short, the guy led my friend to Christ. Amen? God delivered him from the drugs. And this past weekend, he was on a ministry leadership retreat to reach college students with the gospel of Christ. I want to give you, when, when you, for those of you who are, who are online people, when you open up your Facebook or whatever you're on, you see people's pictures of what they're doing and wasting their lives, you think, they're gone. They are not gone. Do never throw in the towel. Amen, church? Never throw it in. Because the Holy Spirit of God, who led Simeon to Jesus, will lead you to people who desperately need you in their life. You say, Jeff, I can't save anybody. Exactly, but God will work through you so that they will come to repentance. Who are the Dans in your life? That's a young man's name, Dan. Who is Dan? Or the Dans? Or ladies, the Danettes? The invitation today is very simple. For you to say, Holy Spirit of God, would you guide me and lead me to those you want me to impact. But what God must do, you say, Jeff, I don't know where I am, is He must first lead you to Jesus. You must first be born again. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. The Bible says about Jesus that He who has the Son has life. And that he who does not have the Son does not have life. John chapter 3. For the wrath of God abides on him. That's simply what the text says. And I call this church, I call everybody here, I hope I can call you my friend. The reason why I would say that is because you do not know when you will die. I don't know. Right now today, if you have never been changed... And the Holy Spirit will tell you whether your church experience, if you've had one in the past, was real or not. But if you've never been changed and truly transformed, right now, just say, just say, Jesus, would you save me? Save my soul, Jesus.